0: Let God arise and let his enemies be scattered and let all those who hate him flee from before his face. So, for those of you who don't know, I I, prob- I know I mentioned it once and I completely forgot about it again um, <clears throat> up until I actually did the interview earlier today. Um, I was on with Trad Cat Night over on his channel, so if you could, give him a click. And uh, go over there and catch it. We talked about pretty much the entire global political and well geopolitical situation. Pretty much everything from Taiwan and China to Russia, Ukraine, to some of the things going on in, in America and, the, and, uh, and in the UK. Pretty much a very world, worldwide reaching podcast. But like a dummy, I forgot one thing. This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. Let's get started with a prayer. Nomine patris et filiate spiritu sancti. Amen. Sancta michael arcangele defendino proelio, contra ne quitiam et insidias diablias so presidium, imperetilideus supplicas de precamor, duke princeps militae calestis, satram aliosque spiritus malignos, qui ad perditionem animarum, pervegantur in mundo, divina virtute in infernum ne trude. Amen. Ah, It was a major, major piece, and I'd cited it in Ukraine and Russia, and I cited it in China and Taiwan, and I neglected to cite it because I didn't even think of it until about two minutes ago. Okay, quick recap before I get to the thing that I didn't think of until two minutes ago. Russia, Ukraine. We all know that the Biden administration has ties to Ukraine. We all know that the Biden administration has ties to Russia um, through Hunter Biden and some shady business dealings. We know that Biden has business ties to China, again, through his son Hunter and shady business dealings. This makes this whole thing a very, very nasty, just mangled spider web of blah, waiting to just erupt into a whole bunch of stuff that's you know rather creepy, mainly smaller spiders. Now, <clears throat> Russia. I've said it before on the podcast. I said it on the in the interview. Definitely. Russia, I don't think, is trying to create the Soviet Union over again. I think they're going for a Russian empire. Stands to reason, especially given that communism, and therefore the whole Soviet thing, doesn't jibe particularly well with Christianity, and it especially does not jibe well with any of the Orthodox faiths. That is to say, Catholicism, the Russian Orthodox Church, or the Eastern, any of the Byzantine churches. Communism doesn't jibe. Okay? With the declaration, the formal declaration added to the Russian Constitution that Russia is a Christian nation, it means de facto that they're not going to build up another Soviet Union. What they might do instead is build up a Russian empire. And it doesn't even seem like Vladimir Putin's all enthused about that. He may just end up getting pushed into it by well the United States and NATO. Now, <clears throat> Ukraine is questionable. They're still technically in a failed state status. Okay? Now, before anybody gets in any anything twisted, I have friends who are in Ukraine and I have friends who are in Russia. Okay? There are people I know in both, and I pray that they both manage to jump out of where they're at before everything really pops off, because it's going to get ugly. So it's not, I'm neither pro-Russia nor am I pro-Ukraine. It's just one of those, in all honesty, I keep looking at it going, why do we care? Now, NATO, the European Union, they in particular have a desire for more energy. I mean, they kind of consciously say that they don't, but they subconsciously know that they do need more energy. They need more fuel. That's, what's, that's basically what's represented by Nord Stream 2. And that's one of the things that makes this such a weird, tangled web. Because if they're going after oil, I feel like they could do better. Like, I, I feel like they could do something smarter. But then again, sin makes you stupid, and so yeah, that, that makes sense too. Now, we know that Russia went into Kazakhstan. I also talked about this. Um, and that Kazakhstan actually it looks like the situation in Kazakhstan is de- is deteriorating. I'm not a big fan of the situation deteriorating in Kazakhstan especially because it also looks like that's planned. And when I say planned, I've mentioned in the podcast that they actually constitute 18% of bitcoin mining and bitcoin, if you haven't noticed, has dropped in the last month or so from about 45, 46, 000 per coin to 30, I think it was 32 or 33,000 per coin. That's not going to stop declining as long as Kazakhstan's in chaos. It's just the way it is. The, The other part with China, Evergrande and Country Gardens, the two largest property developers in China, are going through some serious economic turmoil. They're both in a position where they're not going to be able to pay back their debts. They've taken out high-risk loans. They thought that the housing boom was going to basically carry on forever, and it is faltering. It has already faltered. And that seems indicative of a collapse that, honestly, the last market collapse based on the housing market to match this for a specific nation is Japan. Okay? And I say for a specific nation being Japan, because our housing collapse really wasn't all that bad. The bubble, the bubble deflated significantly, but it did not deflate the way it deflated in Japan, and it did not deflate the way it's going to def- In fact, even in Japan, it did not deflate the way it's going to deflate in China. So China is in a financial hucklebuck because their eco- their whole economy is about to come crashing down like a like a house of cards, and the only thing that they can hope to do is invade Taiwan and seize the means of production for all of the chips, all of the silica, all of the silicon based um, process processing chips in the world, because Taiwan is the global supplier of chips, or of uh, of. Uh, uh, silicon-based semiconductors, the advanced chips that go into all of the best smart technologies. All of that stuff comes out of Taiwan. So China's only hope right now to save their economy is to manage to seize that means of production and bolster their failing economy with chip sales. Because right now, with if the housing market collapses, their entire manufacturing industry is done because if the housing market collapses it's going to have a it's going to have a rolling it's not even going to be a ripple effect it's going to be a rolling effect across the chinese economy it's basically going to obliterate it and could obliterate it for as long as 100 years and i say 100 years because that's a it's a ballpark estimate but it is roughly commensurate to what happened in japan who still hasn't fully recovered from their housing crisis they, the Japanese economy still hasn't fully recovered and attained even the levels that it was at prior to, their, prior to their economic collapse. So China is looking at a major collapse and it's looking to probably wipe out most of the world economies and, pro- and in all honesty could obliterate as much as $150 trillion of market value. That's kind of, you know, just mildly big. So if they don't find a way to bolster it quickly, they're going to be in a hucklebuck, which is why they've been sending sorties over Taiwan at an ever-increasing rate, trying to see basically what we're going to do while our attention is focused on Ukraine. Now, now comes the part that I forgot about. How did we get out of the how did we get out of the great depression? It wasn't good monetary policy. Our monetary policy going into the great or coming out of the great depression, even going even going in, well, going into what they used to solve it was still kind of trash. We solved we actually climbed our way out of the great depression by executing and winning the the second world war. In fact, we have often used conflict, war in particular, to find a way to bolster our economy in, pl- in times when it seemed like everything was going south. Otherwise, it was also a good distraction, you know, when a president was being accused of, say, rape, to say, well, you know, we got to focus, we got to look over here because they're doing X, Y, and Z and we had to bomb them. And a and an ambulant press just went along. Anyway, the um, <clears throat> the thing is, is that we're looking, we're looking at devastating inflation time now. We're looking at our own economic collapse time now. Is it going to be as big as what what the rest of the world will, will end up experiencing? Well, not exactly. Our economy, for as much as people in Washington have managed to futz with it over the last 100 years, is still fundamentally strong because at the core of the American psyche is a sense of entrepreneurship and innovation. That's really what's at the core. Now, it's being debilitated, and there's no guarantee that it hasn't been debilitated enough to that when we collapse, it doesn't actually take us out fully. But we do have a track record of managing to find a way to dig ourselves out of economic dire straits. The thing is, is that all of the things that have happened over the last two years, particularly all of the things that have happened to the U.S. economy over the last two years, have been intentional. These have been intentional strikes against the U.S. economy. These have been intentional attacks trying to debilitate Western, quote-unquote, capitalism so that they could put in something altogether new. The problem is, they don't have any support for the altogether new. What they did with COVID was enough of a distraction, you know, to keep people from paying too close attention. But as soon as the whole mantra of the Great Reset and all of the Build Back Better crap started hitting the mainstream, it became very, very unpopular very, very fast. And I do believe that Washington, and I don't think it's the, the administration specifically, but Washington as a whole does not understand. They don't understand that they burnt up all of the political capital, all of the trust, all of the full faith and credit of the American people in their ability to make cogent, logical, U.S.-focused decisions. We've we've basically seen them drop their drop their trousers and see the globalist tattoo right on their butt cheeks. And it wasn't a pretty sight and none of us are buying into it. So they're making a tremendous miscalculation, but given our history given the history of what the what the washington establishment is prone to do particularly the you know the neocons and the neolibs and all and basically all of the war hawks who managed to get rich beyond the dreams of avarice every time the united states drops troops in some foreign location it is looking like they're planning on trying that again i would say it's brilliant but they're misreading the room and it's going to cost them dearly. And when it costs them dearly, it's going to cost the rest of us probably more so. Because this is not like going into Afghanistan. This is not like going into Iraq. This is going into a formal, legitimate, potent army. And the Washington establishment has grown fat under the largesse and soft when it comes to the application of military tactics and strategy. They got so fat under the largesse, they're they're drooling, going, hey, if we can do this again, then we can put the companies like Kellogg Brown and Root and Halliburton and BAE systems and all of these and general dynamics and all of these companies that made billions under the war industry. We can actually do all of that again. but I do think this time it's going to break us because these are not the people who follow good, sound war doctrine. They don't follow the just war theory. They don't, they don't follow any of that. And because they don't follow any of that, these people are very likely to lose because if we go into Ukraine, if we decide to push back into Russia, Russia will be fighting for their lives, and they will likely make very few mistakes. And we, while we have the capacity to endure many mistakes, are going to get more than just a bloody nose and a couple broken ribs. The U.S. military machine might actually get hospitalized. Might get knocked what they call the F out because the people who are leading this military aren't familiar with the tactics, techniques, and procedures of the U S military that actually established itself as the dominant global power on earth. And if you think these things can't in all, and no joke, if you think these things, anybody who thinks that the, that the mechanisms of war change all that dramatically have never really studied war. The mechanisms of war, honestly, haven't, like, when you're talking about tactics and and strategy, most of the books that were written in the 1950s, 1940s, 1930s, and anything written in the aftermath of the Vietnam War, those things all still apply. For as much as I have the utmost regard for the intellect of General David Petraeus, who wrote the book on counterinsurgency and counterintelligence, and I have the utmost regard for him because I have utilized those tactics myself, and they are absolutely perfect. It is literally only the failure to execute them properly that would actually doom a commander on the ground for failure. However, this is not a counterinsurgency. This is not a counter-terrorist action. This is a war with, an, with a uniformed, standing army. And in the same way that the execution of the tactics, techniques, and procedures in the coin manuals is largely dependent on the people executing them, such are the tactics, techniques, and procedures for conventional war. They must be, ad- the principles must be adhered to, or you're going to get the frickin' floor mopped with your face. And the people who are leading the charge are the least likely to actually follow the rules. Because they don't follow the rules in anything else, so why would you assume that they're going to follow the rules in the art of war? That's where we're at. Is literally where we're at. We're about to see, firsthand, for all the world to see, what happens when people who are not to be taken seriously engage in acts that are definitely to be taken seriously all for the sake of trying to curb the political the the political windfall that is currently falling in the opposition in the opposition's direction and to bolster an economy that has been deliberately flushed down the toilet by the powers that shouldn't be What does this mean for the common person? It means if you haven't gotten all, if you haven't begun to get used to the shortages and start to plan for more, you need to plan for more shortages. You need to go ahead and stock up on, I would say, probably a two to three month supply of food. You need to go ahead and try to make sure, if you can, to procure, you know, some five gallon cans, maybe a couple of 55 gallon drums of appropriate fuel containers and get your hands on some fuel. But get the right can. Like seriously don't be the, don't be the dummy that goes out and fills, you know, and fills 13 gallons of fuel into a into a 20-gallon trash bag. That's dumb. First off, you're first off, you're 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 contaminating the fuel and the fuel is going to eat through the plastic. Remember, plastic is fossil fuel. It is soluble. It can be dissolved in fossil fuel for crying out loud you make napalm one of the one of the recipes for napalm is styrofoam and diesel fuel <clears throat> but you're going to want to get your hands on a modest supply there's no need to try and go out and get on facebook marketplace and try to buy a used tanker truck so that you can get your hands on 200 or 200 or 500 gallons of gasoline, but a couple, but a couple of gas cans undercover outdoors, which means not in your garage. A couple gas cans is just prudent, something to have on hand. And if you don't use the gas and no joke, if you don't use the gas in a month to two months, take the gas, put it in your gas tank and refill the tank. And, and excuse me, and refill the gas can because you want to try and keep that stuff moderately fresh. These are the things that you need to start looking at. Doesn't have to be perfect. If you can get your hands on a gas generator, great. If you can do like the what is it the fourpatriots.com and get one of their solar and get one of their solar power uh, battery things, I know they call it a solar generator. It's not a solar generator, but, uh, but get one of their solar, you know, get one of their solar batteries, solar, you know, the solar panels with the battery combination. That's a good idea. If you can get your hands on a Tesla wall or something similar. So this way you have, so this way you have stored electrical energy. This is a good idea. It's not going to get you through the whole thing, but it'll definitely soften the blow. If this descends into World War III, there is no reason to think that it will last less than four years. And it is not practical to try and purchase four years of food or four years of gasoline or four years of toilet paper or anything else for that matter. But having something to soften the blow as things start to get tight is definitely a good idea. Getting together in local communities so that you so that you got so that you can cross over and share resources at your parish or whatever is a good idea. Is it going to work perfectly? No, but it'll buy you enough time to adapt to the long-term difficulties that we're getting ready to face assuming we're not all annihilated in a nuclear winter. And oh hey by the way moderate preparation for that as well because the vast majority of nuclear weapons are airburst which means that 12 hours after the explosion it's safe let me say that again the vast majority of nuclear weapons are airburst weapons so while they're ridiculously destructive shelter for 12 hours stay out of the area for 12 hours and you will be fine. And when you return to the area, make sure to bring clean water with you. Which by the way, actually, come to think about it, clean water is the other thing. But bring clean water with you so that you can decontaminate. And yes, decontamination of nuclear of nuclear fallout is as simple as having a sufficient supply of clean water. As well as having clean water to drink. This is as prepper of a show as I'm going to do, because those are all the basic precepts. Those are all the things that you need to go ahead and account for. Now, other things like firearms, ability to defend yourself, given the fact that in the aftermath of a nuclear winter, things are of, of nuclear, of uh, nuclear war, things are going to get very, very sketchy, very, very fast. So it's understandable. So it would definitely be in your best interest, a firearm or two. You don't need to go buy a whole armory. A good shotgun, a good pistol, and a good rifle should be sufficient. Ammunition, 100 to 200 rounds per, should be sufficient, at least initially. After that, you're in there for the long haul, and you're going to have to find other ways. Alternative means, like bows and arrows, crossbows and bolts... Those are also those are also pretty pretty handy as well. You don't have to go all Mad Max. <clears throat> Use your head. Be catholic with this. Take time out to consider what it is that you're going to do. Take time out to consider what the best way to protect your family and your community is. Because it's going to be different for the single person with a single trad who's growing up in an apartment in Brooklyn from the person who's who's out in the middle, who's out on a ranch in Texas or Idaho. And that's going to be different from somebody who's in a small to medium-sized city in, say, North Carolina. Tailor it to your circumstances. Understand, cell phones... By the way, if this does go actually like legit, if this does go to nuclear war, your cell phone's useless. Because even if even if you take the other pre- the additional pre- precautions to save it from an electromagnetic pulse, the fact remains is that when the bomb, when the first bomb falls, the entire cell network's going down. The electromagnetic pulse of a nu- of a decent nuclear weapon, the test nuclear weapons had a blast radius for the electromagnetic pulse of nine hundred miles, and that was in the 1940s and 50s. The weapons are far more advanced now. They are far more powerful now, and their and their EMP radius is liable is likely to be significantly larger. It was already war gamed back in the late 90s, early 2000s, that if a single modern nuclear bomb back then was to be detonated over the center of the continental United States, there would not be one electrical line still working from Bangor, Maine to San Diego. From Miami, Florida to Bellevue, Washington. Not one. So if it goes that far, At least you'll understand why my voice was cut off. And I hope to hear you, and I hope that you guys will, you know, manage to get out and get a radio because one of my survival supplies is going to be a ham radio so that I can continue to broadcast. Now, none of this is imminent. It's not like we're starting, it's like, no joke, it's not like we're going to war tomorrow. Well, I mean, we might go to war tomorrow, but there's going to be at least a little, there's going to be at least another week or two of hemming and hawing before anybody starts to make any real moves. which means you're going to have at least two to three weeks after while they try to figure out exactly how they're going to do this because I guarantee that none of these yahoos have planned for the long term. Keep in mind, and this is at the core of the whole thing, the whole thing is a money grab. It is all a money grab. All of it. These people want to develop a new world order where they're the ones who control everything. So whatever happens is actually one of the reasons why I think the war won't go nuclear. Whatever happens, that's their objective. That's what they're going for. That's what you need to plan for, because it's not really going to directly affect you. And don't be surprised to hear the bishops going, oh, we need to find something other than war, blah, 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 rather than just coming out and excommunicating the people who are prosecuting it, which would be easier. Keep saying it. Oh, well. That's the warning. That's what I see. Is it accurate? I don't know. I'm not, I, I can't tell, I can't tell the future. Even what I gave you is a, is a description of what I believe to be most probable. Everything everything that I gave you for advice is that which any survivalist would give. If they well, I mean, if they had a brain. If they have a brain, that's that's the same advice they're giving. Because they're not saying build bunkers. They're just saying get a little ready. Pray for the church. Pray for the nation. Pray for the last minute conversion of Joe Biden. Come, Lord Jesus, have mercy on us all. This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. May God bless you and the Virgin protect you. Nomini Patris at spiritus Santi.